Good morning, Evergreen Church family. Uh, Let me again say happy Father's Day to all of our fathers. My name is Christopher Thomason, and uh, I work for Young Life Capernaum. This is Young Life's ministry to adolescents with disabilities. I'm a husband and a father. My wife and I have been attending Evergreen now for about six years. So, seeing as it's Father's Day, I thought I'd share one of my favorite things about my son. He's 14 months old, uh, about to be 15 months old. And honestly, my favorite thing about Theo is how much he loves his mom. When my wife works in the morning, I get to be with Theo, and we get to have our special time together. And to be honest, usually it includes an outing, such as getting a donut, going to coffee, or really just anything with sugar at the end of it. In the car on the way to our outing, uh, he's happy, he knows that there's sugar at the end of it, he's with dad, all things are good. He tends to be excited and happy. However, when we're done with our outing, it's time to go home, and Theo knows there's not sugar at the end of this trip. However, most people, you know, they tell you there are three magic words, I love you. With Theo, there are five. And I look at Theo and I say, we're going to see mom, and everything is better. Everything is better. He turns his tears into laughter, and he's joyful. I really love Uh, love how much Theo loves his mom. Well, we're in Psalms again today. Uh, We're going to be going through Psalms 34, Psalm 34. And as we've seen over the past couple weeks, the Psalms generate emotions. They help us process through things. Whether it's praise or lament, the Psalms are meant to give us words, maybe to our emotions, the authors of Psalms are, are raw with their emotions to the Lord. Psalm 34 is a psalm of praise. I'm keenly aware that the situation in our world, current events, it demands lament. Many are dealing with loss, anger, frustration, sympathy. Without processing these emotions, they will sit and they can sit and create angst within us. So why did I choose Psalm 34? Why did I choose a psalm of praise? Although I'm aware of the need to lament, to continue to lament, and I don't wish to rush this process, I find myself praising God. In addition to what's going on in the world, Father's Father's Day provides mixed emotions for me. My father left me when I was about 10 years old. Over the years, Father's Day has left me desiring to ask my father why. Why did he do the things that he did? While at the same time thanking God for the men that he brought into my life. The men that showed me what it meant to be a true father. To show me the character of God as my father. As now I have the privilege to celebrate Father's Day as the dada of a 14-month-old beautiful baby boy, Theodore, I can't help but offer praise to God. In prayerful praise, I ask God, how can I be the kind of father that teaches my son it is not okay to ignore the brokenhearted and crushed in spirit, as we see in verse 18 of the psalm. 
Although for me this is spoken through the lens of fatherhood, I believe that God has something for each of us in this psalm. So the context of this psalm, Psalm 34, David is still on the run from Saul. Uh, It's believed that David sang this psalm after he acted insane in front of a Philistine king in order to escape. He actually escaped to a cave. We see the story in 1 Samuel 21. David escapes to a cave and is joined by his family and anyone in, dist- anyone in distress. 1 Samuel 22.2 says, Everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to him, David, and he became captain over them. And so we get the resulting Psalm 34. During these times, uh, are you in distress? Are you discontented? Do you know of someone who is? Psalm 34 is what David had to say to these people and to us. So my hope for today is three responses we see from Psalm 34 to help us respond to the emotions that our current events have evoked within us. Worship, reverence for God, and hope in suffering. Worship. We see in Psalm 34, verse 1, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. Now, how is it that David blesses the Lord in the midst of the suffering? He's in a cave. He's with people who have gathered to him, and yet he's running from Saul because of this. Is he glossing over the pain he must feel for Saul chasing after him? I think in the middle of what could only be interpreted as deep lament as he's running from Saul, David refuses to forget to praise the Lord. In verse 3, David says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Corporate worship is a beautiful thing. It's one of the things I've missed most about uh, the COVID restrictions. Uh, I told you I work for Young Life, and so uh, oftentimes in the summer, I'm gone for about a month, and I'm in charge of uh, a bunch of high school volunteers. They're called work crew. Well, a couple years back, I was in charge of this group, about 72 high schoolers who do all the work at the camp, and they, uh, they were a rough bunch. They weren't there to work. Uh, they made it clear they were there for themselves, looking for something uh, that service was not going to offer them. However, in the midst of this, my friend Alec, uh, he has high-functioning autism, good friend of mine. There's this barn on the property down in Washington, uh, or down in Oregon, Washington Family Ranch. And in the midst of this not wanting to be there, these 72 high schoolers, I asked Alec if he would play the piano. He happens to be extremely good at playing the piano. So he's there, We go into the barn and say, hey, let's gather. He gets on the piano and he starts to play. And something happened. God fully immersed the people in that room. We were in full worship of God. And from that point on, something changed. These high schoolers there were now there to serve. It was amazing. 
Um, I'm sure you're aware of the song, The Blessing, uh, by Elevation Worship. People from around the world we've seen during this time have been singing that song together to raise their voices collectively in corporate worship to the Lord. I love that. And worship is sure to happen in the midst of suffering. These people are in the cave. They're destitute. They're discontent. They are suffering. And David breaks into song over them to bring praise to the Lord. Worship. Second point, reverence for God. We see this in verses 8 through 14 in this psalm. Verse 8, Psalm 34 says, Oh, taste and see, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. This is an invitation to us, to you, to all. David is inviting us to taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who take refuge in him. Do you ever just celebrate what I would consider the honest of the Lord? We can use awesome, fantastic, but just this moment where you're with the Lord and you're just in awe of who he is and what he does. Consider this an immersive experience where you can't help but stop and say, thank you, God. Thank you. Uh, Matt Chandler, in his book, To Live is Christ, To Die is Gain, he asks this question, what stirs your affections for the Lord? What pushes you toward the Lord in a profound way to be in awe of him? What is it that stirs you up to know Christ, to love him, and to worship him? You know, as I was preparing for this sermon, um, I was running through it with my wife, and our son, I mentioned Theodore, he's 14 months old, and he commands our attention. I'm talking to my wife, and she's trying to listen, she's nodding along with me, and here's Theo, uh, she's holding him, and he's babbling away, and poking her, and pointing at things. He commands her attention. Eventually, my wife apologized and said, I'm sorry, Chris, I have to... I have to give my full attention to Theodore. Of course, I love that because I love how much he loves his mom. What, when does God command your worship, your full attention? Moving down into verse 11. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Now, fear is an interesting word. Uh, it brings up different things for all of us. So I want to look at Scripture and how Scripture des describes what fear of the Lord is. In Mark 4, one of my favorite passages, Jesus is on a boat uh, with his friends, with his disciples, and they push out, they go out onto the lake, and Jesus is tired, and so he falls asleep. He goes down below, and he falls asleep. And of course, we know the story. The storm rises up, and the disciples, who are experienced fishermen, they become scared. There's this huge storm. They go to Jesus, and they wake him up, and they say, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care? The storm, we're going to die. That's, that's the kind of fear that's, you're terrified. You're scared. You need something. 
And yet, here we're invited to fear the Lord in verse 11. It's not this kind of fear that David references. One of my favorite passages in 1 Kings, 1 Kings 18, the prophet Elijah is there uh, with the prophets of Baal. There are 450 prophets of Baal, and there's Elijah, who's a prophet of the God. And Elijah says, hey, prophets, um, you get together and build an altar to your God, because at this point, the Israelites didn't know what to believe. They were believing both, or they were believing one or the other. And Elijah says, you get your altar ready for your God, and then I'll wait, and then I'll do mine, and we'll see who the true God is. My paraphrase, of course. And so the 450 prophets of Baal, they sing, and they dance, and they create this altar, um, praying that God will consume it up, as was talked about before. Well, to no surprise to Elijah, um, it didn't happen. And God consumes the fire when he asks, or he consumes the altar when Elijah asks of him. And the people, they say, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. That is reverence. Moving on to point number three, hope and suffering. In verse 18, we see the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Now, the, the natural question for me is, who are the brokenhearted? Who are the crushed in spirit? I shared earlier, my dad left when I was very young. That was a crushing moment for me in my life. Who does the Bible point us to when we consider the brokenhearted, the discontented? David is ministering to the distressed, the discontented in this cave. We see in Isaiah 61, Isaiah says, He, the Lord, has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to comfort those who mourn. I work in the world of disability, and Luke 14 we often reference. Jesus tells us when we give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. In this moment in time, the suffering of our black brothers and sisters has been magnified. The family and friends of Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, Richard Brooks, our black brothers and sisters are suffering. Peter, on speaking on this very psalm in 1 Peter, says all of you have unity of spirit, sympathy, love for one another, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Eugene Peterson, speaking about brokenheartedness, crushed in spirit, he says, we live in a time when everyone's goal is to be perpetually happy. If any one of us fails to live up to the standards that are advertised as normative, we are labeled as a problem to be solved and a host of well-intentioned people rush to try out various cures on us. Am I quick to try and solve or intellectualize the problems of the brokenhearted, the crushed in spirit of racial injustice? Does this dignify the suffering that is experienced? How do we hope in suffering? Again, Eugene Peterson in his book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, has this to say about hope. 
Hoping does not mean doing nothing. It is not fatalistic resignation. It means going about our assigned tasks, confident that God will provide the meaning and the conclusions. It is not compelled to work away at keeping up appearances with bogus spirituality. It is the opposite of desperate and panicky manipulations of scurrying and worrying. Hope means a confident, alert expectation that God will do what he said he was going to do. Worship, reverence for God, hope and suffering. I'll end with this. In a time of crying out, the temptation is to solely focus on my own suffering. However, I must not, I must not forget to lament with, listen in humility, and hope together with my neighbors who are suffering. There's a song by King and Country called Together. They filmed the video during COVID as a corporate worship. They say, if you're looking for hope tonight, raise your hand. If, you feel, if you're feeling alone and don't understand, if you're fighting in the fight of your life, then stand. We're going to make it through this, hand in hand. And if we fall, we fall together. Together. Together we are dangerous, together with our differences. Together we are bolder, braver, stronger. On this Father's Day, as I ask myself, how can I care for the brokenhearted and show my son what that means? I hope that you remember to worship, to have reverence for God, and to hope in suffering. Psalm 34 verse 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Amen.